up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 133. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Bro. Farewell, bro. <laughs> bro, farewell. <laughs> Adios, <laughs> such Chuck. a stupid name. It's pretty bad. <laughs> farewell, bro. <laughs> like farewell is just not a hipster enough word for that to make any it's, real it's, sense. It's, it makes it, it sound even more like, ridiculous. It's like an anachronism. It's someone, <laughs> yeah. it's like someone in the 1800s uh, who accidentally <laughs> got like time <laughs> time traveled into a uh, like a frat party or something. Farewell, yeah. bro. <laughs> All right. Well, before we do say farewell, bro, our usual housekeeping, of course, if you're not already in the Discord, check out the Discord. It is the best place to be to chat with us, chat with the rest of the aficionados, and get some advice. I mean, we've got a lot of folks dropping deck lists in there for the, the decathlon going on right now, and it uh, seems like everybody's having a ton of fun with that. So if you need some help or advice on that, definitely jump into the Discord. There you can find the link to that in our episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, show notes, stickers, our pre-show recordings, as well as our Draft Chaff Hero cards that we sign and send out to all our new patrons with every set. So check that out at patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff Pod. Also, we never plug this, but we have a merch store. So if you're interested in getting any Draft Chaff merch, you can do that at shop.draftchaff.com. Do it. It's sweet stuff. I have the hoodie. All right. On to our Cracker Draft type thing. This looks like, a, well, I guess if we're for, saying farewell, bro, one last bro pack is is what we've got on the table for us here. Yep. Last one out. Uh, we're going to just kind of slide through this one. We, we know what's going on in Brothers War at this point. There's a Mishra's Onslaught, which we're going to talk about later. This was the uh, <laughs> very, this one really didn't see much play. I think I saw this once uh, and they used it to kill me and it was really embarrassing. Nice. <laughs> Hoylos Rock, uh, part of the going big uh, blue-green deck, but also just like an okay top end for like a blue-white flyers deck. It's whatever. Tomical Scrapsmith, this one gets better the better your artifacts are and the higher density you have, but it's, it's you know, just whatever. Epic Confrontation is probably the card I'm taking so far. Uh, it's yep. just my spell. There's also a Warlord's Elite. I, you could do some pretty silly stuff with this. Um, if you could find a way to get it into your graveyard, like on turn three or uh, very rarely turn one, um, then you could recommission it and then you don't have to worry about yeah. it sense like uh like tapping extra things so then you just get like a five five for two mana which is obviously pretty good ravenous gigamole it's whatever I, I didn't love the graveyard vector in this set like there's the self mill stuff uh yeah. isn't really what you're supposed to be doing there's machine over matter the the uh, bounce spell that inexplicably costs one less for having an artifact i mean a bounce spell for two and a bounce spell for one th- this isn't really <laughs> like they're kind yeah, of like folks are the same thing was unsummon just not did they even like just try printing unsummon in this set and they just were like nah it needs to be more expensive but then also sometimes not or did yeah, they just know. need to tack artifact stuff onto it because it's mm-hmm. artifacts this was most successful when paired with uh either white or red with some sort of really strong aggressive start so i, I think it's best tone was in like a blue white soldiers deck where you had this big like beefy board of good attacking creatures built out and then they drop a card like our next card which is depth charge colossus and you're just like nope back to your hand uh depth charge colossus i never saw someone hard cast this i've only ever seen a cast for six and you know then it's a strictly worse colossal dread mall so you know this thing doesn't deserve the name colossus yeah not so much our next card though is pretty sweet our next card is probably the best common and one of the best cards in the set uh scrapboard cohort and this thing is just great Makes two bodies colorless. You can always first pick it and feel pretty safe about it. 
honestly, I would just slam it at all these cards. Um, I'd take it over Epic Confrontation, over the Warlords Elite, over pretty much everything else. I'm not going to lie. A lot of my drafts, I end up in pack one, pick one at least, or even anytime around the first couple picks of the pack. I kind of don't read what's in the pack. I just scan real quick to see if I see the word scrap work anywhere <laughs> <laughs> just to save myself some time. Cause yeah, that's, that's you know, a great call. Nine times out of 10, you're taking a scrap work card. If one exists in the pack, that's, that's very true. We have a, uh, a schematic thing here. It's Icor wellspring. That one's actually pretty good. Uh, that is another card that's worth first picking. This one pairs really well with some of the, uh, the, the random sacrifice effects, especially uh, the strong bull, uh, Pentagon strong bull, like, you know, then this thing draws the two cards. That's that's obviously great. But even just ETVing and drawing one card is is pretty solid. And then using it to sack to something like that or the Junkyard Genius or other random things. There are definitely worse schematics to pick up. Yeah. So uh, still taking the cohort over that, I think. I mean, if I'm starting with a colorless yeah. card, I'd rather have a like a, an assertive, strong one like that. But I think our uncommons might edge out the cohort. Giant Cinder Maw. Hmm. Ice versus cohort. Card. Yeah, th- this is this is tight, but I think I prefer the Cinder Mall. I mean, it's three mana, four three trample. It, it's sick. It's so good, and especially if you're looking at this as like your functional top end, like probably not actually your top end, but maybe it's one of your more expensive cards in like a really tight red white deck. It just feels great. Like Cinder Mall is really tough to deal with it on three mana. Like your opponent yeah. just goes one drop, two drop, three drop, and the third that three drop is a Cinder Mall. You feel awful. Oh yeah. And it pairs so well with combat tricks like Whirling Strike. I mean, if they... Oh, yeah. I mean, this actually aligns really well with a lot of the blockers in this format. Uh, think about how this fares against like a Scrapwork cohort, right? You, you put your cohort in front of this and you're like, all right, hope I trade and only take three. They Whirling Strike, you take five, lose your creature, and you still have a 4-3 trample to deal with. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, at that point, and that, that's like a third of your life total. <laughs> you're like yeah. you're basically dead at that point. So uh, our, our next uncommon, also a good one. I don't know if it's going to beat up the Cinder Mall. It's the Ocean Frontliner. I mean, this one is broken in, into standard in like the uh, the Soldier's decks. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's undeniably a decent card, but I'm still just on the Cinder Mall here. I, I don't think I would even necessarily take Frontliner over Cohort. Yeah, I would probably take Cohort as well. Maybe hope to wield the Frontliner. I mean, these things sometimes go a little later. Because not every deck wants this, right? Yeah. Uh, here's a colorless card that I'm not interested in, Steel Exemplar. The whole, like, cash in this for just monocolor stuff, eh, I, I don't think I had, I think I had a deck that was pretty close to mono red, or maybe a few decks that were pretty close to mono white, but even then, I wouldn't play this. Because those decks that benefit the most from being monocolored tend to be very low-to-the-ground aggressive decks, and they don't necessarily want a 5-mana 6-6 six, six trample. Like they'd prefer to have like another yeah. copy of Scrapwork Cohort over this, or they'd even prefer a Yoshin Frontliner or just some random removal spell. Depending on the texture of the deck, maybe even a Cantrip Artifact like Icor Wellspring over this. Yeah, it feels kind of clunky. Like it, it looks cool at face value, and it kind of is cool. Like sure, a, a five mana six six trample is like pretty decent, but needing to set this up by having like a monocolored deck is pretty costly. And it just it just makes it not really fit into any of the good archetypes. You'd just much rather be doing other stuff in just about every deck that would play this. Mm-hmm. So right now my pick order is probably like Cinder Maw, Cohort, eh, probably Frontliner, then Epic Confrontation. Uh, maybe Wellspring above like Confrontation and Frontliner, uh, something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the same cards. I don't know if my ordering is quite the same, but definitely Cinder Maw, then Cohort. And that's relatively close. And then the others are kind of all fighting for third place. Well, they're about to be fighting for an even lower position because our final rare of the set is a nice Misery's Shadow. Soon to be permanently uh, etched on my body in some way. Did I mention that I won the Arena Open <laughs> with this card? Did you? 
Did you? Um, <laughs> did you? Did you forget? I don't think or? you've ever mentioned it once. You know, the, it would be great if all this time I've been cutting out you saying that you won the arena <laughs> open every episode and nobody knows you won. That would be that episode that where we talked about it. Like it's just like it's yeah, around it's five. Just, minutes. I never posted that episode. It, it's just <laughs> it's a um like a newspaper cutting esque really, like hodgepodge of, of my vo- voice clips saying like I did not win (laughs) (laughs) and the episode ends but actually misery shadow is just a fantastic card i mean it's a two drop you just want as many two drops as you can get and it just so happens to be a super powerful one i mean just exiling stuff from the battlefield when it dies is huge against things like the uh, scrapwork series or uh, honestly anything with unearth uh plus there's just some solid regrowth effects in this format uh this just shuts it all down fantastic card and uh functionally unblockable it's awesome Love the shadow. Yeah, threat of activation is real with the shadow. All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share high and a low from the past week. So, Ben. Hmm. Let's start with uh, Teferi. The Decathlon's been pretty fun. I've been enjoying it. I'm uh, I'm three for four right now. I got a few more uh, days to get this, this standard trophy that I've been trying to get. Um, apparently, there's a new season of Bad Bash out. I just realized that. We, we got to watch that at some point. I'll probably check it out I later was- tonight. Yeah, I was actually going to joke with you in the sign-off. So, you watch Bad Batch yet? <laughs> you usually do that to me, and it's it was it's been out for less than twenty four hours. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. did you watch it already? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, that, that's probably going to be pretty entertaining. Um, and speaking of Star Wars, one of the things my my brother got me for Christmas uh, was one of the collector series Star Wars Lego sets, where it's nice. like the the trench run, and it's it's super finely detailed, and like it's it's got like these. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it scratches the, uh, the nerd itch and the Lego itch, which I, I've always been a diehard Lego fan. So that's been fun. Uh, Tibble wise, it's been a pretty rough week at school. Uh, I, I told Zach before the show, I think this was the earliest I got home and I got home at like five 30 and I usually get to school at around seven. I just, I stay for an hour in the morning helping people. And then an hour afterwards, then I have to prep for the next day and it all just adds up. Plus, I had a, a, a post-conference with my principal this morning about an, uh, an observation with admittedly my, my toughest class. So that uh, it kind of set the, set the tone for the whole day. It's just been a long week, you know. I'm, I'm excited for it to end. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, you know. And my principal always gives like great constructive feedback. But, you know, sometimes when it's like 8 a.m., <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, it, no matter it, how constructive it is, it's not what you want to hear. Yeah, it's like I, I get it. This is going to help me improve. It's great stuff and it's thoughtful, but I'm a perfectionist and uh, <laughs> it still is going to flavor the, 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 the mood of the day. Other teachers out there, I'm sure you, you know exactly what I'm referring to, that that experience of it. How about you? So my Teferi is, well, you know, we're, we're now into the new year. Um, holidays are over, so I'm kind of back into my usual routine. And I always love that. It's one of my kind of favorite parts about holidays or vacations is getting back and like resetting and, and getting ready for normal life again. Um, so kind of having all my systems get in place and yeah, just kind of getting back to that is really great. I'm feeling overall pretty good. I've been having ironically some sleep issues since we talked mm. about it on on the show not too long ago um notably it's not so much that i'm having trouble sleeping i've been waking up a lot one of my neighbors just had a baby so part of it is that um oh. the other part is that i'm a super light sleeper and my dog's also in my room at night and she like moves around and grumbles a lot in her sleep so uh that doesn't help either but anyway i've been waking up a lot so it's it's really stopping me from getting up when i want to hmm. Um, I'm sleeping in too much, so looking to fix that, but, um, otherwise I'm feeling pretty good. So that's my Teferi. My Tybalt is that I noticed yesterday that I had terrible screen flicker on my monitor and Hmm. 
Um, I'm not actually noticing it right now, so I'll knock on some wood that it's gone, but I have a, a single 49 inch super ultra wide display. Yeah. It's not cheap. I'd really yeah. like to not replace it right now. So did you, uh, <laughs> um, try soaking it in rice? I don't think I have a container large enough to put this did in Did you it. try unplugging it and plugging it I back did, in? I did do that. Yep. <laughs> if it, that's, if I that actually work, looked up. Yeah, I looked up uh, like potential reasons because it's not like um, any of the pixels are dead or anything. There's just like a yeah. weird. Wa- it almost looks like the brightness is dimming and re- resetting in certain locations throughout. It's just weird. like a very weird like kind of flicker. And hmm. um, I looked it up, and and Samsung has a, a dedicated like troubleshooting page for this problem. And the first uh, troubleshooting is check the cables going from your computer and into the monitor. Like, okay, and then it was check the power supply. If those haven't yeah. worked, call <laughs> customer support. <laughs> yeah. Have you considered that maybe uh, the light in your room has been getting way brighter and then dimmer uh, over and over again? So that right, it relatively... So on to our listener question of the week. <laughs> yeah, uh, our question this week comes from Mina Kang. And Mina Kang says, hey, Zach, I'd be interested to hear... Yeah, forget you, Ben. Hey, Zach, I'd be interested to hear what your end of year introspection checklist looks like. Walk us through the questions you ask yourself or your process. So this is in reference to our end of the year episode. One of the things I mentioned that I like to do at the end of the year is sort of a an introspection for the year, kind of look over the year and uh, walk myself through like what happened. Did I meet the goals I had set out for myself, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I can walk through sort of my process real quick. It's it's something that takes me days to do. I like to space it out. You could probably sit down and do it all in one sitting really, but it would take a couple hours if you do it right. Um, but I essentially have, I run that my whole life out of this program called notion. Um, if you're familiar with that, cool. If you're not, that's cool too. It's, it's basically just like a really concise way to collect, um, text files. Google drive would work just as, just as well. Um, but I actually changed my process this year. Usually I'll just look back at old questions that I had set for myself and, and kind of go through, um, what those might be. So it might be things like goals might be things like, um, you know, relationships that I wanted to foster better or like, how could I have been a better son or whatever? Um, this year I did a little bit of a different approach to it. I first started by looking at all my meaningful moments and milestones for the year. That's basically just coming through my calendar, my journal, um, different to-do lists, some like photos that I took on my phone, just kind of refreshing my memory of like inflection points of the year, things that, um, were meaningful in some way, shape or form. Uh, and I do that for every month of the year. And then I list my wins for the year. These are just things that kind of maybe there were habits I built, places I traveled, bad habits I broke, um, skills I picked up, stuff that happened at work, hobbies, you know, whatever. Anything that I consider to be a win for the year, I just jot those down. Um, Then I try to organize those wins by like different life themes. So health, wealth, relationships, experiences, business, et cetera, et cetera. Then I list uh, mistakes or quote unquote anti-accomplishments that I did. So things that like I wasn't so happy that I let happen, maybe losses, I guess, if you were to look at it from the antithesis of a win, I suppose, um, space those out in those same themes, health, wealth, relationships, experiences, business. Then I kind of set myself like a number on a scale from zero to 10 for each of those things, like, like different subcategories of those. So how did I feel my physical health was this year, my spiritual health, my mental health, et cetera. Um, just to kind of give myself like a gauge of where I'm at. And then I kind of look at like which of those wins and or losses were uh, most positive, most negative. This is kind of like an 80-20 thing where I just look at like what was actually the most impactful and what should I just stop caring about or like I didn't didn't actually put effort into and don't need to put effort into going forward. Um, I do that for all those categories. 
And then the last bit is like a, a list of realizations or lessons. These are like specific questions that I make myself answer to try to figure out where I'm at by the end of the year. So things like who gave you the most joy this year, what weighed on you and caused you the most stress? What was the challenging moment where after the fact you experienced most personal growth, things like that. Um, and then I kind of summarize those and figure out which of those things influence what I should continue doing for the, the following year. And then I have a whole different setup for what I do for like annual planning. Um, this is a really long answer to this question. So maybe <laughs> I'll save that for a different a different episode. Yeah, I didn't realize it was it was this in depth though. I mean, it's it's kind of it's like super a, detailed. Yeah, it, it's like well, this. First of all, I'm not at all surprised. This is like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's neat that it's both a. Um, it's kind of like a, a nice hybrid of um, not, not not necessarily like labeling, but uh, I guess like systematically. Uh, like going through and cataloging or sorting experiences and things like that, but also having like a, like a mental health approach to uh, like seeing how, how they affected you and how they went throughout the year, whether it was like positive, negative, somewhere in between. Yeah. I think that's, this, uh, that's like the most important part, right? Cause if you're just tracking like wins and losses, you can kind of get bogged down in the numbers and just like f- continue doing something that's actually not benefiting you in any real way, but like you got to see the numbers go up kind of thing. Um, so pausing to like, take a second and understand how did this actually affect me? And was this actually even worth doing helps me a lot for the, the upcoming year. So yeah, that's neat. Uh, I mean, I'll say, the, I'll say the, the methodology that I used this year, like I said, it was a little bit of a difference um, came from these two guys, Dickie Bush and Nicholas Cole. You can find them online pretty much anywhere. They actually have a version of this. You can download for free if you want to just get access to it. But it was, and I adjusted theirs a little bit, but it's inspired by the, what they put together for their yearly review. Uh, Mina Kang, I know you didn't ask, but in case you're wondering, uh, I guess the closest thing that, that I did to this was uh, somewhere around like uh, midnight on New Year's Eve, I guess New Year's Day, uh, I got sprayed by like the, the fallout from a bottle of champagne. That That's, you know, in, in that moment, I was like, wow, 2023. Here we are. <laughs> little less in depth, but uh, it was in that moment. Uh, well, being, more enjoyable. While being sprayed in champagne, I was like, hmm, New Year. <laughs> Well, new year, new format, I suppose, because we're saying farewell to Brothers War. And you know what that means? That means Chaffee Awards. Yep. Time for some Chaffees. Uh, We're going to go through and just give out some Chaffees to the usual assortment, maybe with some new ones, maybe some comments and notes here and there. Uh, And just kind of talk about the format in, in retrospect. We know we still have a little bit with it, but let's be honest, we're moving on to different things. We've got the decathlon. People are still playing Vintage Cube. That'd be a sweet episode to do sometime. And uh, all sorts of other stuff. There's going to be uh, Dominaria Remastered to talk about, maybe, if, we, if we're interested. Uh, and pretty soon, we'll have Phyrexia. Yeah, I imagine spoilers are right around the corner, because this feels like the longest time we've been without spoilers in quite a while. Yeah. So let's just start it off. The Chaffee for the most powerful card in Brothers War. What do you got? It's got to be Worm Coil Engine. I don't even know if it counts because it's like one of the schematic cards. So it's like kind of not really part of the set, but it is. Uh, it's Worm Coil Engine. I mean, the schematics ended up being far more influential on the set than I think anyone would have predicted. We didn't even talk about them <laughs> in, our, in our, 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 our breakdown. But had we really thought about how frequently they would come up, it would have made us analyze some of the archetypes differently, right? Like the entire yeah. sacrifice artifact vector would look way different if we knew that there were like artifact cantrip fodder to sacrifice. Penrigan Strongbull, which we thought was, you know, good in the uh, in the breakdown, we would have realized, oh yeah, this is great because it has all these things yeah. to sack. 
Uh, I also went with Wormcoil Engine as my number one, but uh, number two, not far behind, Surge Engine. Um, I guess this is the set of the engines. Surge Engine was the the, the blue three two, uh, well colorless three two that turned into a blue five four unblockable draw cards. Uh, not necessarily the most flashy, but I think in raw power, this was one of the hardest cards to beat in the format. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I it was like that. the the. That, that's the I think it may have been the scariest thing to see on turn two. Really? Yeah, I, I think I have even never feared so... this card on two. Really? Yeah, I mean, it, I pretty it, much it, always have like an obliterating bolt or like a disfigure or like I don't know some some like X twos aren't hard to deal with in this format. All right, you just, so you draft removal. I feel like the window to kill it is so small though. Before like it, it feels kind of That's like true. a. Um, it, it reminds me of a hex drinker. Uh, those that have been playing Vintage Cube know that hex drinker uh, is actually just really good. Uh, it's the, uh, the the one green for a two one snake, and you can pay to level it up, and it quickly becomes a a four four pro instance, and then it becomes a six six pro everything. So you just can't touch it, little baby progenitus. Um, this reminds me of that card because sometimes you'll just dump a ton of mana into your hex drinker, and then your opponent goes, "Oh, I just I just can't win anymore." Um, I, yeah. I, I guess I'm assessing power in kind of a funny way. There's other obviously really powerful cards like. I think, uh, for example, I think the Misery's Shadow is powerful in a very similar way. But yeah. in, if I had the choice between the two of them, I'd take Surge Engine over, over the Shadow. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm not dissing the strength of, of Surge Engine here. I was just surprised to see it in up in your like top two. I don't know. I, I haven't think really run into. I, I see the potential yeah. for it. Like like you're saying, once you if you can get past turn two, I actually think it's better to play not on two because yeah, if true. you can just immediately pump or pump it in response to some removal or something, like then you're really golden. But I mean, if we want to talk about other just banger like power cards, we probably have to mention Titania's Command too, right? There's people, people yeah, all are the probably are pretty yeah, amazing. everyone that was like yelling at me like through their headphones, like what's he talking about? Surge Engine, not Titania's Command. Obviously, Titania's Command is is basically unbeatable, just in a different way than Surge Engine. I, I just I just really enjoyed the power of Surge Engine. I guess I don't know. This is like not my kind of card at all. It's a it's a three two defender. I'm reveling in it because it's a blue card. <laughs> Look, I, I, I enjoyed it in this archetype a lot or in, the, in this format a lot. That's all. All right. On to our most annoying cards. Yeah. Uh, so I went with Goblin Blast Runner. I think this thing is you the would. definition of annoying. Good. I love playing with it. But this thing is annoying. Like you see it on turn one and then you go, oh, my God, like they're going to have a bunch of sack stuff. It's annoying in that you can't really interact with its vector. Because what are you going to do? Spend like a removal spell killing one of their like artifacts that they're uh, that they're going to sack to it? Like, I don't know. Do, do you point the removal spell at their elsewhere flask so they sack it at an inopportune time and, and they don't get to attack with a 3-2 menace? It's just really annoying to play against. Uh, very fun to play with, though. Yeah, for me, it was just Misery's Shadow. I mean, the name's in the card. Like, come on. <laughs> this thing is just so annoying. You see this come down and you're just like, okay. I have to figure out a way to win around that because it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I, it's blocking yeah. everything. And even if I can find some damage based removal, it's not going to be enough because they're just going to pump it to oblivion. <laughs> yeah. Misery Shadow is awesome. So our next Chaffee is for best jank. Now, this this has evolved over time. What do you think? You know, I had a hard time coming up with any individual cards for this format with best jank. Like none of them really stood out to me as like wow, that's super janky. I can't believe that works. Um, a lot of the schematics felt like they powered shenanigans-y type, janky type of uh, interactions, but I couldn't really come up with anything specifically off, you know, uh, that that I really felt um, fit this. So mm -hmm. I'm just giving it to the schematics as a category. 
I have a few things here. Uh, Jank, I'm kind of referring to as like very, very like narrow corner case, but good when they work. Uh, Drafna, Sage of Latinum, I think it's called. The, the two mana blue human that like lets With you all return the text in the world. and like yeah. copy spells. <laughs> yeah, you can like return artifact creatures to your hand and like copy artifact or creatures. I think it's artifacts or copy creature artifacts or one of those things. I don't know. That was some pretty hot jank when you could pair it with an artifact with a good ETB ability. For example, the Scrapworks or uh, and pairing it with, with uh, Boulder Branch Golem was, I mean, that was very unpleasant to play against. <laughs> that was some really hot jank. I mean, that's that, that certainly deserves a chaffy. But I would also go with Recommission. I think the combo of uh, turn two, cycle something away with Scrapwork Mutt, turn three, Recommission, leaving up like a, um, a Military Discipline or, or the, uh, the one mana white, either the one mana white, like good combat tricks. Uh, that was that was a really fun play. Um, and then, yeah, similarly to what you said, some of the schematics, like all the one mana and two mana cantrip artifacts, most of the one mana ones and zero with Bobble are best. Um, all of those ones, I think, were just, they, they played really well in the format. Uh, and they gave some, an interesting texture and dimension to like the black red sack deck where you were sacking these these artifacts, using them as cantrips. Um, I, I, again, I just thought it was a really enjoyable play style. Yeah, that's fair. All right, our next one here is for Chaffiest Chaff. <laughs> uh, I love this. The, the the most draft Chaffy card in the set. The card that's, well, this one, it could either be like the card most likely to get left behind on the table or the card that is both most likely to get left behind on the table and just really embodies the draft Chaff spirit. But what do you got? This is hands down mutt. Come on. It's a mutt. <laughs> yeah. It's so good and limited and nobody wants it in constructed for pretty much anything. Like, yes, mutt all over. I also put Stoneseeker as a runner up for this one because hmm. Stoneseeker was a really good limited card and I could see it having some applications in um, in constructed formats at some point. But I feel like that's a card that's going to get left around and I thought it was really good. It Looking at numbers is like, okay, probably not the best card in the format, but for some reason Stoneseeker stood out to me on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also went with Scrapwork Mud as my top pick. I mean, it really earned the the Draft Chaff Hero Award. Um, I also put everything over six mana. <laughs> like it, That's fair. Uh, especially the, the big rares. Hercules, whatever. <laughs> it's like eight mana and it like bounces everything. Uh, honestly, even one with the multiverse. I've seen people cast it. I cast it a few times, but it's eight mana. You just can't do that in this format like it. Unfortunately, the format kind of promised you could. So that stuff, that's true chaff. I mean, it's not going to see constructed play outside of Saffron Olive, of course. He'll find a way to break it. Next up, we've got the most unexpected chaff. Uh, what were we caught off guard by by things we thought were going to be good and were actually chaff? Well, I'll throw in, again, the schematics because we were caught off guard because we didn't re- realize they were in the set in the first place. And a lot of them were traps. Uh, we were talking about yeah. how some of them were actually quite good and, and would have made us reevaluate the set. A lot of the rocks, just the random mana rocks, were pretty much just traps. Um, and yep. that kind of lends to what you were talking about a minute ago, Ben, where you were saying everything over six mana was pretty chaffy because the ramp thing just wasn't there. Like, you could try to make it work, and I'm sure there were some good versions of the deck, but in general... This wasn't a format to support that. And we're seeing that more and more. This is kind of something I want to have an episode on at some point where we're seeing like a lot of these sets that we've expected, like, ooh, this looks like it has a cool ramp payoff. Just turns out to be an aggro format. Yeah. Even thinking about some of the like not super expensive, obviously the six mana plus uh, all that stuff, you know, (laughs) not going to work. But there were some weird hints in the set. It almost seemed like there could be a like land go 
like many color control deck with like ivory tower and the fog and that like white like card draw life gain spell like what was going on with that stuff yeah fog in itself is one that was like really weird because you know uh it doesn't like it works against the aggro decks but if you're trying to hint that you're going there is a way to go big in this format then fog is useless so yeah i i uh, some of the other things like inspiring statuary uh just some some random cards like this and then they just don't really have a vector that they work in and then especially the the, the big mana type ones helm of the host that that was chat from this set I hate to say it i yeah. mean you, you could play it and maybe in like a really low curve aggro deck where you like would be happy investing turns four and five into it anyway if you go like one drop two drop three drop helm that's good uh but then like portal to phyrexia even like a main set card nine mana I died with yeah. that card in hand. You just couldn't play it uh, unless you were doing some wacky nonsense, like trying to get it in with, I don't know. It just wasn't really worth building around. Uh, but again, mind's eye, uh, one with the multiverse, these just big mana draw a million cards things. Even once you like invested nine mana and started drawing a million cards, if your aggro opponent had curved out and built up like a decent board, you would just, <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> yeah, just you dead. get to draw a bunch of cards, but you die. Cause then even when you're drawing a bunch of cards, you're playing like a big mana deck. Are you investing all that mana and all that card draw into like, I mean, what are you doing? Are you playing like one eight drop and then they just bounce right. it? <laughs> like, Yeah, they bounce it and swing with six creatures that are hitting you for 18 damage or something. Yeah. 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 Just, I don't know. I, I guess we have to count all this as unexpected because the set hinted that this would be good. I don't know. We'll talk more about it. Yeah, I mean, this, this was supposed to be the set of the big machines and everything, and it just didn't work. Yeah. And I think some of those cards you mentioned, one one with multiverse in particular, is you know, you can't even use the set's mechanic to fuel casting those cards, the power stones. Mm-hmm. Right. At least Portal of Phyrexia, you could kind of power out with power stones if you were able to build a deck that was designed to do that. But stuff like one with the multiverse, you just can't do that. Yeah. It's like, what are you it's doing really here? Bizarre <laughs> inclusion. Yeah. Why not just make it an artifact? <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, on to our top drafted comments powered by 17 Lands. And um, it's not actually sponsored by 17 Lands, but it felt fun to say that. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, they did power us. So, yeah, I mean, Ben, yours are far more interesting than mine are. Mine are really (laughs) embarrassing. Uh, I am super proud of mine. I I think, honestly, I I did as well here. And um, I can lead by saying uh, I had a a game record and match record uh, win rate of 59.3%, which is towards the higher end for me. I usually, I do fall somewhere around like 57 overall on average. So this was a good set for me. Yeah. It uh, looks like you also did about 64 events, which is pretty crazy of those 13 trophies. That's, that's pretty good. That's yeah. Yeah. Not, not too bad a trophy rate. Uh, I don't know if that includes the, well, the arena open, which I did happen to win, but I, I guess it might. I don't know. Um, anyway, my top drafted common with a whopping 47 copies was Scrapwork Mutt. I, yeah, I love this little guy so much. I can't pass him. Uh, with 44 copies, we have Goblin Blast Runner right up next. After that, Bitter Reunion with 41. Conscripted Infantry, which, yeah, it's not as good as these, but it's like a good uh, role player. It's a curve filler in the red decks, especially the sack-based ones. 40 copies. And uh, finally, with 39, rounding up my top five, Scrapwork Cohort. I was drafting this set right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely caught on. Uh, unfortunately I stopped drafting the set before I caught on. So my numbers <laughs> reflect that. Um, I played a total of six events of bro. So only six drafts SMH. and, um, I had a game record of set 52.9% match record of 51.5. So virtually we're going halvesies here. Mm. And 
my top top drafted common, which I probably would have told you would have been the case in the format breakdown. Yeah. Like before any analysis of the set beyond that, my top drafted common was wing commando. I wanted this card to be good so badly. I never really got it to work. Yeah. Blue just wasn't really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem with wing commando in particular is that every time you played one, it died. Like it was a, it was a lightning rod for removal because if That's you did true. let it stick around, it was going to win the game. So yeah. um, it didn't really have time to do anything. After that, though, this is where it gets really embarrassing. My next top drafted common is Mishra's Onslaught. <laughs> Ooh, I feel like that's by accident, too. You probably just picked up all the last dredges. It is. Yeah. And and yeah. And I was also in like red blue decks a lot because I was trying to make like wing commando and other things work. So um, honestly, I mean, a while back, I mentioned this way back in the format breakdown. There was that red common. It was like a four mana instant and it made two one ones with prowess. And yeah. I mentioned that like. If if Mishra's onslaught behaves like that in this format, you could have that as a key component of like the blue red prowess deck. But I just I just I didn't really like the blue red prowess deck. I felt like pairing yeah, red with something like good. blue was just hindering yourself uh, to play a slower game plan than red wanted to. Plus, red's vector was deep into sack. Like some of its best commons were sack based. Uh, the strong bull and, and and the blast runner. Right. I mean, if you don't have yeah. a sack vector. I don't know. It just didn't really play out the way I hoped. Yeah. And honestly, in, in practice, the only red blue decks I saw that I was like, oh, this is really good. Were the ones that had two or three or more iconoclasts. Yeah. And if you're relying that heavily on the signpost and common, then like the rest of the decks, probably not actually that great. Yeah. Iconoclast is obviously great. I think it's seeing like older play too. It's that wouldn't surprise like at least me. Standard play. It's, it's kind of like a strictly better young pyro. Yeah, I guess yeah, not so, strictly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's multicolored. That's the only yeah, thing yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of. But, um, but yeah, I I also was on this kick for a while. I saw one player. This was just a, a stupid like I need to do this before the 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 format's gone, and I didn't draft very much of the format. So, um, I was on this Falaji chain chain dancer kick for a while, where like I oh, wanted yeah. to make. I just wanted all I wanted to do in this format was jump Falaji chain dancers into the air and then double strike <laughs> in the air for the win. All right, um, that, that's pretty cool. I saw somebody do that in like a, a best of three match with um, Chain Dancer and then the artifact, the wings, you know, that you can just attach to it. They just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Put, like, f- just jump the, uh, the Chain Dancer in the air, smack me with double strike and maybe throw a whirling strike in there for good measure. And then I'm just, that is dead funny. Out of it's like, yeah. I was like, man, I need to make this happen. Unfortunately, the Chain Dancer had the misfortune of uh, costing four mana. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was too expensive. Yeah. So let's check out our worst bad card to lose to Chaffee Award. Uh, what are you giving it to? Our guy being Avenger. Oh, this is, is that, that like, like the stupid scissor mana? hands guy? It's me yeah. from, from <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. He's yeah. a scissor hands guy where you can like pay mana to minus one, minus one and give it a keyword. Oh, yeah, that's totally a, a bad card to lose to. I've lost to it more times than I care to, imagine, to admit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, 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 that counts. That's a great one. Like to the point where I was like, wait, is this actually a good card? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't worry. It costs like five, six, right? It's not good. Something like that. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> six mana uh, dies to disenchant. No, it's, <laughs> but it could, it, it can be scary. Yeah. Yeah. With a runner up for third path savant, because I had a couple of games where I, I mean, I guess I kind of beat myself, but I had like very little going on. They played as third path savant and then they just drowned me in card draw, even though it, that ability costs seven mana. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> they're dumping so seven mana a turn into this stupid common and they're outdrawing me and outplaying me and outwinning and i'm just like Ugh. 
Yeah, that it's it, that that's like a, a very Zach brand of feel bad. It's like, oh man, my opponent's <laughs> like, strong. Oh, I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so my number one worst bad card to lose to was uh, Misha's onslaught. I I just never played around it, and I think it only happened once. Where I mean, this is like an aggressive format, right? This is the kind of format where uh, you shouldn't be afraid to take damage because. You could have a hasty creature top deck or top deck a combat trick or removal spell that allows you to break through for, for the win, right? Uh, so I, I I tend to do pretty well in these types of formats. And one of my general heuristics is that I just block less in hyper-aggressive formats where the creatures are designed to punch through. Uh, think of the Cinder Mall, right? Uh, and the combat tricks are great. In this case, they are. And blocking usually doesn't work out super well. So I tend to just kind of take damage. Uh I think it was like just one time when I was like, okay, I've got him dead on the crack back. I'm not going to block. Um, you know, I, I don't want to risk losing one of my things. And they had Mishra's onslaught. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, th- this game ends because I forgot there was a red pump spell. That, that's like a go wide pump spell, right? Like, and they had to have exactly this too. They had a bunch of creatures. They couldn't have just had like one pump spell. So I was like, all right, good game, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get got, it happens. My runner up is Tokazia's Onulet. This was the uh, five mana four four when it leaves they uh, they gain two life and then it has unearth for three and a white just just a big clunker you know but sometimes they would drop this and you'd be playing an aggressive deck and you'd only have like a like a big damage or based removal spell and you go oh they're gonna gain some life from this and they get to flash it back and then it's attacks me for four and then it changes the math and it's just you would lose to it. It was like a mid-range card. One of the few mid-range cards in this format that could just slightly edge its way out over some of the aggressive cards in this format. It's kind of like a Thrag Tusk, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to our Chaffee for pet card. I don't think anybody has any question marks about what this is for you. It's obviously Lauren. I mean, yeah, my pet card is usually card <laughs> it's usually the the white symmetrical card draw spell. But this one was just so much better than the average one. I mean, even if you never tapped Lauren to draw a card, first of all, it makes you a coward. Second of all, you probably still had a good experience playing Lauren because it's a, it's a wreck sage in a format where white is the best color and there's giant artifacts everywhere. Like what what, what is there not to love here? Um, and I will mention that we had a few people post in Discord in the past week saying that they utilized Lauren's draw ability to great effect. And the fact that you get to do it on their end steps, you untap with it first, uh, you use that card to kill them, and then it doesn't matter that they drew the card because they're dead. It's it's a great play style. Love Lauren. 10 out of 10. Yeah, I had to default to Wing Commando just because I drafted too many of them and I wanted it to be good and it wasn't, and I still have a special place in my heart for Wing Commando. So what was our most disappointing archetype Chaffee Award? I think we agree it's it's ramp like any of the big spells stuff anything that like you said anything over six mana just like these big I don't know I mean like the prototype creatures kind of are the exception because a lot of the prototype creatures yeah. were pretty playable at at their prototype cost as opposed to spending you know eight mana on them um, the war plow in particular was one or the gore plow or whatever it was called uh, yeah. one in particular that was was pretty solid um, it was almost yeah, surprising to see some of them cost for their like that they're full amount, right? Like sometimes you'd see the right. uh, the the uh, the morph one, the uh, the clone. It'd be surprising to see that come down as like a seven or eight drop, whatever it is. It usually comes down on four. Like I, I remember that it comes down on four. I don't remember if it comes down on seven or eight. That's you know the, the associated playstyle I have with it. I guess some of the cheaper ones like the the, the plow and the boulder branch uh, golem. Those are you're more likely to see come down for the, their uh, larger costs. Black green could kind of get there, but 
I don't know. Yeah, I think Blue Red was also just a little underwhelming. I would have liked to see a slightly stronger prowess non-creature theme. I think that uh, that vector relied a little heavily on its uh, its signpost there, but yeah. otherwise, you know, I mean, there, there was a good mix of of, of of like vectors in the set, right? Like mostly the aggressive ones were good, but at least they were different flavors of aggressive, right? Like they, they had some interesting graveyard things going on. Some that had interesting, interesting sacrifice things going on. Uh, sometimes you were playing like the soldiers one, really the, just a bunch of different flavors of like aggressive vector. Yeah. Next up our Chaffee for creature. You most want as a pet. Yeah, this is a funny one. Uh, this isn't really a creature card, but the bears in Fade from History, the uh, t- two green, green, kill all artifacts and enchantments. Everyone that had one gets a, a bear. Those are some cute bears. They have you heard adorable. the uh, Have you heard the saying that like pe- people will say on Twitter, like, oh, my toxic trait is that I think I could go and pet a grizzly bear and it wouldn't kill me. I haven't seen that, but I believe it. I, 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 I subscribe to this. I totally believe I could go up to a grizzly bear and make friends with it. Those things are too cute not to <laughs> be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, but, that's fair. I mean, you could probably you could probably do that with like a baby grizzly bear. I'm sure that would be fine. Yeah, until the mother just, sees you trying to play with its child, and then you just get yeah wrecked. <laughs> Uh, I would also go with um, Cityscape Leveler. It's the size of a city. Who you could ride on that? Like, who does it? <laughs> does that count as a pet? I don't know. A lot of these things are robots, so we start to get into pretty, <laughs> pretty ethical gray areas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't say that too loud. Your computer will get mad. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, it was Coilless Rock. Uh, again, probably not surprising for not for at all. <laughs> I noticed one of the times I was looking at. It, I think that thing has armor. It's pretty it sweet. Does. Yeah, it's uh, well. I think you know something that I think a lot of people that don't like pay attention to myth- mythos. Um, is, is it rocks are like huge. They're supposed to be really big birds. So hmm. rideable, most likely, you know, they're like Griffin yeah. sized, like really big. Hmm. So let's talk about some of our cards never cast. I had a few surprising ones, but, uh, honestly, I had a ton of the schematics, uh, like inspiring statuary comes to mind, giving your artifact stuff improvised, like, like what's, what's going on? Like in a set full of power stones, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, right. Yeah. It's not like you're generating a ton of what, like artifact creatures. Sure. Like you have stuff like the cohort generating a few every now and then, but like you don't have an army of one ones that you can tap yeah. to pump out your worm coil engine. And I think we knew from the start that a lot of the schematics were just like, you just shouldn't take them or play them at all. And then we learned over time that, Oh, actually almost all of the schematics are traps. <laughs> so uh, a good number of those, I never cast Urza Silex, the, uh, the artifact uh, day of judgment that destroys all the creatures. Um, and then does some land stuff too and a planeswalker thing, whatever. Uh, Arcane Proxy, the, the blue snapcaster prototype. Never got to cast it. Uh, same with Painful Quandary, the uh, black five mana enchantment that does some wacky stuff. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not missing out on that one. Titania, Sahili, some random mythics, Brotherhood's End, the, the, the red board wipe. Uh, and sad to say, I didn't get to meld. Never got a meld off. Never even had two cards in the same deck. Not surprising, statistically, but... Yeah, I was hoping it would happen at least once. I've seen screenshots. I know it happens, but uh, just couldn't have happened to me. Yeah, same here. Uh, I didn't draft a lot of cards, as you saw. I I only, or heard rather, I only drafted six events, so I didn't really get um, a ton of reps in. Uh, But I didn't draft any of the walkers. I didn't draft a worm coil, and I didn't draft the blade coil serpent. I was really excited to give that card a go because it looked really fun, Mm. but never got to it. So here's a new one. This is something we're adding, and I think we're going to tweak here and there as we get through the next couple of sets. A new Chaffee, it's not really a Chaffee, it's more um This is a, a level above Chaffee. I think this is an even greater yeah. honor. 
Yeah. Uh, draft chaff cube inclusions. So we're trying to pay more attention every set to cards that should be brought into the cube. I'd actually also like at some point to probably move this to like a separate segment and have also a comment on the cards we're taking out for these cards. Yeah. But what do you get? What do you got? What, what's going into the cube? Did anything make it into the cube? A few things made it in the cube. Uh, those that know the cube know that we have an enters the battlefield effect sub theme, uh, a flicker, uh, mostly centered in like white, but it, it does actually spread throughout a bunch of different colors. Uh, Tyrant of Care Ridges is just such a busted flicker card. I mean, it's a, it's a flame tongue Kavu attached to a giant Shivan dragon. Like that, that's obviously really good. Uh, speaking of flicker, can always use a nice Rexage effect in your cube, right? I think Lauren might sneak her way in. We have to oh double boy. check. Now, these are cards that I think we were saying we want to put in the cube, but we can't just go putting in and taking out willy-nilly. There's a ton of math and, and uh, planning that goes into strategizing the cube uh, cards. For example, the curves of all the colors are heavily calculated. And to yep. take out a three-drop... Uh, to put this in, that could mess up an archetype. We have to be careful what we take out. We have to make sure that this is like upgrading over a card of, I guess, similar function. So these are cards that I'd like to work into the cube, but we have to double check that it actually works as far as the the cube wants it to work. Yeah, and then of course there's always the the chaff math where we have to make sure that it is actually still considered chaff or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. One thing that kind of one card in this set that kind of fits the bill of what I just explained as well as what Ben just explained is Gaia's Gift. It's Probably mm. the best version of the card that's been printed. We have an effect like this in the cube, likely just going to be a one-for-one one swap there. Yep. And to be honest, if there was ever a card that came along that we wanted to make sure makes its way in, even if it, like for whatever reason, maybe they print a card called like Draft Chaff Magnet or something. I don't even know like what they would do, but they print the card that's so absurdly Draft Chaff and it doesn't fit anywhere in the cube. Uh, we have a handful of like flex spots uh, called the Chaff Masters picks that we kind of can customize our own cube with uh, should we want to and th those are just like flex spots that we reserve to to like slip in cards here and there i think it's only like five per each of us uh to, to like flesh out some archetypes or, or give something a boost um just a little a, a little extra flexibility for us so if there was something that came along that absolutely didn't work out anywhere we could always just insert it as one of the chaff master picks after all we, we are chaff masters so next up we have our would you rather chaffy it's not really even a chaffy. This is a fun question. So <laughs> Zach wrote this one. Uh, would you rather fade from history or be caressed by kicks? <laughs> yeah, and my answer was, who needs to be remembered? Uh, I'm gone. History can forget me. I don't want kicks hmm. anywhere near my brain. So, hmm, to become Phyrexian, is this not, this isn't just becoming Phyrexian. He's also, he's getting a little handsy. Is that what you're saying? He's got to get, I mean, yeah, he's getting handsy, of course. <laughs> Hmm, I, don't, I don't know. Without getting handsy. This this Gix guy, I don't know. This guy's got some bad ideas. I don't know about him. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get faded here. I think uh, as as neat as it could be to get completed. Uh, I, I don't know. Once well, you completed, you you, you you lose your soul forever, basically, as far as we know in the canon, then right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you pretty much are part of a hive mind. I mean, it's not actually a hive mind. It's not, but more or less you are functionally part of this like hive, I guess. It's like super collective uh, or yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you really lose any sense of self. You're not, you're, you're not you anymore. Whereas like you can fade from history and I don't know the way that sounds to me. Like if everybody just forgot who I was when I was dead, I don't really care. It doesn't mean I'm gone now. I'm just like, nobody's going to remember me. You know what I just realized? I think you reinvented the question 
die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the Dark Knight reference. Uh, would you rather fade from history or live long enough to see yourself get completed? I, then again, some of the people that get completed, I mean, they don't seem to hate it. A Johnny seems pretty pumped that he's a giant robot now. <laughs> See, I don't think it's a Johnny though. I I think it's just now this new completed a Johnny is is not really the Johnny we knew because he's been completed. It's not him. Yeah, it's like saying guess, like if you suck somebody's soul out of their body, that body is left being happy. Like that's not the original person. I don't know if that analogy really. <laughs> 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 analogies are supposed to make the, the scenario more familiar <laughs> you're like yeah you know you're not souls get sucked you're not, out <laughs> you're not familiar with that anyway i think we have to wait for some uh some of the new story articles to come out which i know we're dropping i think later this month so excited to see what happens with our completed friends all right ben last thoughts on the format what do you what do you think it was fun I think magic lends itself to hyperbole and I think it can be sometimes challenging to not just say, Oh, this was the best thing ever or, Oh, this was the worst thing ever. So I'm going to put my, uh, put my foot down and say, this was good. You know, it wasn't awesome. It wasn't awful. This was like a six or seven out of 10, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, th- that's possible. That can be, I think sometimes hyperbole is warranted. I think uh Dominar United was 10 out of 10, nine or 10 out of 10. It was fantastic. Uh, but this was just not that, just different. The time uh, the time to move on is now, right? Like, we, we kind of got our fill. Power Stones were implemented well. Uh, th- there was some good gameplay. It was interesting. As an aggressive player, I really enjoyed it, and, and there, I thought there were a lot of cool decisions. But it's just too bad that the big, fancy uh, like Neon Genesis Evangelion like thing <laughs> didn't work out. It, it, like, there could have been some cool big mana artifact ramp strategies, and they could have utilized the uh, the schematic cards I mean, why spend all this time hyping up this ancient brothers war conflict and all these cool ancient like alt arts if you just can't like play them and win <laughs> while playing them? It kind of defeats the purpose. It's like, yeah, you can do all this stuff. You're going to lose, though. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, it's like when you get those those stupid. Uh, how did you enjoy the game? Questions. As soon as you lose. <laughs> no, oh, I, didn't. I love those. Every once in a while, when I'll put that I didn't enjoy a game after I won, just to like mess with the algorithm. Because <laughs> I feel like most people, if they win the game, they enjoyed right. it. But I think you should think about it. If you like, if your opponent got like stuck on two lands and then you just dominate them, I don't think you should say you enjoyed the game. I mean, was that? Yeah, no. Uh, if you really enjoy that, then sure, go put whatever you want. That's data for wizards to use. But I would prefer to have a little more. No, you answered honestly. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. I we guess we did a mental magic question. episode on that actually. So yeah, that's right. That's out right. In our backlog. If you haven't heard that one, what's your take? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Um, I I will say I think this is the fir- the format in recent memory that has taken the biggest swing for me. I started out yeah. not really liking it, and then I started to like it more throughout. Even even though I didn't play as much of it, but like watching decks come through and people talking about the format, I started to enjoy it more and understand it a little bit differently as time progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think I was going to like it pretty much at all from like the first week. So that was pretty cool. I like seeing that it took that turn instead of the opposite turn where like I thought it was going to be really cool and it wasn't. Um, yeah. So overall, the format grew on me. It was pretty enjoyable. I'm right there with you. It's probably like a five or six out of 10 for me. Nothing too crazy. Not overly excited to come back to it, but I'm not disappointed to, you know, and I'm not disappointed to leave it, but it's, it was fun while it was here. Yeah. I got my $2,000 out of it. No. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> I, this is my uh, last reference for it. Last reference. I don't Brothers believe Wars it. out. 
No, I mean, I, I'm sure I'll never find a way to work it in a conversation again. We're, we're done with Brothers War. What, how could I possibly tie it back? Sure. Yep. <laughs> Watch uh, the next one, too, and it's never going to end. So uh, what are we looking forward to in Phyrexia? All will be one. To be honest with you, I have no idea. I'm like not... I don't, I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess I want to see like Jason, some other Gatewatch folks get completed. I'm just kind of yeah. interesting, interested to see who actually gets completed and whether or not they keep them completed. I'm really worried they're going to pull some stupid ex machina nonsense where s- somehow, uh, you know, Elspeth's going to ride in on a glowing horse and everybody's going to suddenly remember <laughs> who they are. And I'm just like, I, if, if I just want whoever gets completed to be completed and for them to be gone and just make some real you know, consequences. You know what really sucks? Like drinking Halo, like cures completion or something. Oh some my nonsense gosh, like they're that. totally gonna do that. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're gonna like infuse the new world tree with Halo somehow, and then everybody who touches it is gonna magically get. Oh gosh, yeah, Why did I, you say that? that's absolutely what they're gonna do. Okay, I'm hoping not because honestly, I don't really know where they're going with this either, and I find that pretty exciting. I like some of the direct directions they're going i mean there's been some pretty grisly stuff in the magic story recently that they, they don't spare details when talking about people getting completed and some of these character deaths and we've seen some pretty mature moments for uh for characters like elspeth and i mean jaya of course um and e- even joda i've actually liked a lot as a character the way they've been using him and, and uh plus just seeing our, our favorites from the Gatewatch kind of uh at risk here of being completed it's uh, it, it, it's suspenseful, right? Like we don't know if our favorite's going to make it through or not. So uh, I find that pretty enjoyable. Uh, I, one thing I am a little suspicious about: does uh, does Elishnorn really need six different like card printings? <laughs> I get it's the head. She like she is yeah. the headliner of the set. She's the most important card in the set. Um, it's her set, but six different versions is that? I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't they're know all if just different all arts, right? They're not. Yeah, like, different. Uh, they didn't like literally the Junji Ito one different. is necessary. That one's sick. Uh, but, yeah, I, mean, but I don't like, care. There's just extra skins. I don't, I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, it should be a fun set and we'll figure out where we're pre-releasing. Uh, maybe bearded. Is it our turn to do bearded or New York? I forget. I think this would be New York, but we can figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone that wants to hit us up in New York, uh, <laughs> maybe we can get some, some fishing out of us to come with us. All right. Well, that's it for brothers war couple of other topics we wanted to talk on right now i mentioned at the beginning of the show but the decathlon's going full swing so uh folks have been dropping stuff in the discord about that uh ben you're you're in the middle of it as well what how's it going it's going pretty well so far i got the first two pretty easily uh the the sealed one i struggled a little bit with i think it took three attempts for me to get it uh honestly it's, it's a wacky set it was two packs of uh original dominaria two packs of DMU and two packs of Brothers War. And those sets are all individually pretty good, but they do not play well together. So I ended up just eventually getting a, a nice red white aggro pile with just a bunch of two drops, like very little power. And it was just good enough. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to get my standard one right now. I'm going to go for the clean 10 out of 10. I don't think you need it. I think uh, it's like three tokens to enter. So I think you really, to get the maximum, you just need nine of them. I, don't know, I forget the math behind all this, but I did take down the whole thing last time, got myself a full, uh, well, a, a full single copy of, of whatever the set was, might have been Streets New Capetta, which really ends up just translating to a, a big gem payout if you are like a common uh, constant drafter like I am. Because the faster you complete the set, the faster all of your rares get turned into gems instead when you open them. So it, it's a fun payoff, but really the clout of winning the decathlon is what it's really about. So uh, I'll continue to post my, my trophy lists in there. Uh, any lists that I use for other things, like the pauper list I, I, I posted, um, 
anything else that, that uh, people use. We've had a lot of good discussion in there about how people have been winning events. So we'll keep it up. Uh, also, there's just some funny events like the standard one that I'm trying to get. It's like a holiday gift bag emblem that you get too. where at the beginning of your upkeep, you either make a treasure, uh, make a food or make a clue. And you get to do each one once. So after the first three turns, like that's it. It's just like a little extra wackiness on top of the usual standard stuff. I don't know. I might just net deck a sta- like top standard deck. I've been playing soldiers, which I kind of like brewed up. But I mean, that deck probably is just on meta. Maybe I don't even have the alpha build. I'll just net deck the top best deck in standard and just uh, just play it from there. It's probably like like black, white or black, red mid range or some garbage like that. Best of one or best of three? Uh, best of one. Yeah. So I have a 63% win rate over about a dozen games with mono red burn in standard right now and i am ah chef's kiss i love it it's so good it's actually like a complex it's like a like a complex version of burn like there are tons of decisions to make it's really great wow yeah i might have to try that and and giving burn a treasure token like in on on Mm. turn one that's probably pretty good spicy although giving your opponents a food token is not great for burn but oh well you get one too (laughs) yeah but you don't care (laughs) (laughs) all right that does it for us this week thank you so much for listening Again, check out the Discord if you're not already in there. It's the best place to be to chat with us. We also tend to do giveaways out of there, so check that out. The link to that's in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. And if you'd like to find us outside of the Discord, you can find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks, and we'll talk to you next week. Farewell, bro. <laughs> that's so stupid. Let's just start with the sign-off. Um, uh, we're gonna, we, we got to watch... Uh, New Bad Batch stuff. That's going to be good. But something else I watched recently, uh, very impressed with, This Place Rules. It's a, a documentary. It's on HBO. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. So it's made by this uh, this YouTuber. He, he's, his name is Andrew. Uh, he once ran a channel called All Gas, No Breaks, uh, where he would interview people all around the country. He kind of hitchhiked around the country for a while. And this guy, he's our age. He's like 25. He's got just the most unique talent for... He's just this kind of like plain, unassuming guy with like a goofy face. And he just he, he somehow manages to elicit the most incredible and uh, sometimes out of pocket responses during interviews. So he can walk into a, a gun convention or he could walk downtown in, in New Orleans or he could walk into like the Democratic convention and he can just find the wackiest person there and get them to just bear their heart to him. And he he basically made this interview, uh, this interview series documentary, leading up to the infamous January sixth riots here in the U.S. Uh, and he he goes deep on structural inequality and uh, interviews people from honestly every aspect of the social spectrum. Right? He, he interviews people living in uh, housing developments, uh, like projects, and he interviews people a mile away who are checking for QAnon posts every day, uh, living in like upper middle class. And um, it, it's such a fascinating look at America. And uh, there's it touches upon information literacy and media literacy, uh, plus just like the overall approach to, to politics. It's framed in some pretty funny ways. Um, but if, if you want to see just the wildest people in America... Uh, and and what they're and what they've been doing uh, is, when the election was happening, uh, check it out.